Drawn and Paneled is the comic book showcase podcast from Gen X Grown Up. Every Wednesday, we bring you news, reviews, interviews, insight, and commentary on the comic books we love from the golden age to the modern age. We love to hear from our podcast listeners, so write to us at podcast at drawnandpaneled.com. And if you enjoy what we do, please take a moment to support us by becoming one of our patrons at patreon.com slash genxgrownup. Welcome back, Drawn and Panel Podcast listener, to this, our regular edition of the Drawn and Panel Podcast. Today, in this episode, we're going to talk about a 1970s-era hitman who receives a voodoo curse, a young freedom fighter battles oppressive forces, and a group of teenagers who attempt to survive a post-apocalyptic nightmare. But first, before we do that, we have got some interesting news. And that first piece of interesting news is that we have co-opted one of the best <laughs> elements of Gen X growing up, not my <laughs> Self. I know that's what everybody's thinking, but nobody was today. Thinking I, well, <laughs> George is my favorite, but <laughs> and that's how Jason keeps his job. But today we actually have John joining us as a regular co-host on the Drawn and Panel podcast. John, how you doing, buddy? I'm good, George. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So John is going to be with us every single week, except for when he can't do it, and then we'll bring Mo in as his replacement. <laughs> oh, good. My second favorite Gen X person. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> and before we get to anything else, guess what else we've got that John usually has on Gen X growing up, Jason? We have some listener email. All right. That's my favorite when we get I it. I know. Even more so than talking to me, right? right? Yes. You and John have a lot in common on that topic. Mm. <laughs> well, J John's on a trial basis right now, so we'll see how he does. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. So we're going to see how he does and then we'll go from there. I'm like Butters is to South Park. <laughs> <laughs> Today, our listener email comes from Wayne. Wayne says, Hey, Jason, I've heard a rumor of an upcoming comic book series from Dark Horse based on the Orville, but I can't find Ooh. much info about it. I'm loving McFarlane's take on the sci-fi genre on TV. So naturally, my interest was piqued when I heard about a comic based on the show. Do you know if or when this is actually happening? And if so, how it will fit into the Orville universe? Well, since he addressed it to Jason, I already don't like Wayne because he should have addressed it to me. <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay, Wayne. No, you're pretty cool. We appreciate you, Wayne. We appreciate the email. Jason, do you know anything about this comic book? Because I'm a huge fan of the Orville 2, and I kind of think our new co-host kind of likes the show as well. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan of Wayne if he's talking about the Orville. Yeah, I'm down. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm a fan of Wayne because he addressed me. So already, this is my favorite <laughs> listener feedback we've ever gotten. <laughs> I did do some research on this one, and he is correct. The rumors are true. There will be Ooh, an Orville good. comic this summer. Wow. Okay, so this summer. This and summer. how is it going to fit into the Orville universe? Is it going to be part of one of the episodes, or is it going to be a whole new storyline? What's going on? It is going to be a four-part miniseries that takes place between Aww. episode one and episode two. <laughs> Listen to John. Wait a minute. <laughs> Well, so now that's interesting. It's only four issues, so it's a mini, it's a mini series thing. But it's, right. it goes back to the first season between the first two episodes. Like I can remember what happened between those two episodes. Wait, did no, you say between the first two episodes or the it, first two seasons between season one and two? Between season one and season two. 
Oh, oh so sorry. it's going to bridge okay. the gap. It's going to bridge okay. the gap. Ooh, okay. Right. And right. what's cool about this is that when you hear four issue miniseries, you think one story over four issues. But what's awesome is that issue one and two will be a story and then issue three and four will be a second story. So you actually oh, get two stories okay. out of this uh, one miniseries, which drops July 17th. Nice. That's going to be really cool. Paying off for the listener. Nice. I know, right? <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm here to please. And it's also written by one of the show writers slash producers. So it should be quality One of the show stuff. writers from the Orville. From the Orville. Oh, well, there you go. That's the pedigree. That's there. promising. You're, yeah. That means you're not going to get anything that's going to be non-canon, really, because it's one of the guys who works on the show. That's perfect. Right. Yeah. The Orville executive producer slash writer, David A. Goodman, who also did Futurama and Star Trek Enterprise. So, Well, damn. This guy's just all over the place, and I'm starting to love this guy. All right. So How that's Jason Bourne with this stuff? It's so called the Internet, John. <laughs> it's called the Internet. Wow. <laughs> Way to make our new co-host feel welcome. There you go, Jason. Well, it's been great being here, everyone. (laughs) Thanks, Sean. We'll we'll let you know what we decide. We'll we'll call you. Don't call us. (laughs) Before we get any further where we might lose a co-host, let's jump into the show. Let's let's do it. Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Iceman and Firestar. Hey there, Drawn and Paneled Podcast listener. I want to take just a second to tell you about something you didn't know you were missing. I'm John, and along with Mo. Hey, everybody. And George. Hey, how's it going, guys? We are Gen X Grown Up. Gen X Grown Up is a website, YouTube channel, and audio podcast by and for Generation Xers, kids of the late 70s and early 80s who may have grown older but have refused to grow up. Every week on our podcast, we cover media, games, tech, toys, comics, games, and pop culture of yesterday and today through the eyes of guys who grew up loving that stuff. And every other week, we do a backtrack where we pick a single nostalgic topic from our youth and dig in deep. You can find us anywhere you listen to your podcasts or find us right on our website at genxgrownup.com. If you're a Generation Xer or know someone who is, I hope you'll check out Gen X Grown Up. Your dinner cannot just be french fries. Basically, life sucks as a grown up, grown up. George, John, what's happening? Yes. <laughs> Yes, that's the answer. That's what that's the hell great. did we bring you on the show for? That's the best we're gonna get. Yes, I was answering to my name. That's that I, I know my like name me when I first started doing the show. <laughs> you were answering I your my name? first time on the podcast. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> it's like I remember my first beer. Is that one of those kind of jokes? All right, fine. That's where we're going. Jason, what do we got? What's up first in the what's happening today? I know you guys have watched the trailer for the Joker. It's one of the big biggest talked about trailers this week um you know dc is reimagining the joker again but oh yeah it looks pretty interesting joaquin phoenix that's the man that's the one with yeah with my man joaquin phoenix yeah it was actually pretty cool i didn't think you know when i first heard about there's going to be a new joker movie and everything you know how do you top jack nicholson well they did with heath ledger now how do you top heath ledger okay joaquin phoenix and eh, maybe maybe not they're kind of a similar actor structure like they're they're very 
you know, cryptic in feel and everything, but man, that was a really unique take on the Joker. It's like an origin story. I hadn't seen one of those on the Joker before. No, it, it's definitely focused on the Joker and his, yeah, like you said, his origin, but it, it looks very dark and looks like there's maybe some mental health issues in there. And well, big surprise with the yeah, Joker. Really. Right? And, his, <laughs> and his mother, there, there definitely is a Norman Bates vibe going on there too, a little bit. A Norman Bates or a Norman Bates? Norman Bates. <laughs> or is it, or is it, be it that kind of show? Bates. It could be. <laughs> John, what about you? I mean, you're you're kind of a new guy to the comic world and you're joining our show for the only the second time, but now as a permanent regular basis here. What do you think of Well, it? I'm not a new guy to the comic book world. I'm not in the comic book world. I'm just in the comic book podcast world. So that's it's different. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> But I mean, I, I know enough to know that the Joker is uh, is one of those you know, pivotal characters that everybody kind of, I mean, as you said, the, you know, Nicholson and Ledger who did that. What I liked about this trailer, though, was that it, it didn't feel like a superhero trailer. It felt like a, right. Right. Like a yeah, character definitely. piece trailer. It felt about this this dark descent into madness. You know, it's that kind of creepy <laughs> Twilight zone looking thing. It wasn't, you know, oh, and here's where he got his cape and here's where he got this color mm-hmm. for his hair. It looked more like... Like, look at this guy breaking down and turning into something. That's kind of what it looked like. Yeah. And I think that I really enjoyed it because it had all of those elements to it. But at the same time, you kind of feel a little bit bad for the guy during the trailer. At least I did. I kind of felt like, holy crap, look at these people kicking the crap out of him. No wonder he becomes the Joker. I'm almost on the Joker (laughs) side now. Yeah, he definitely had a sad existence. Yeah. But you're like, you're like, yep, he's going to be that's that's going to contribute yeah, exactly. And did it look like it took place in the 70s? It had a very retro vibe to it to me. I didn't even pick up on the that it was a period piece. Yeah, I guess maybe so. I mean, I didn't see any modern devices, but that's a good point. Yeah, I don't I don't remember cell phones or computers or any modern looking vehicles. So you might be right. Maybe it is going to be set in a period, you know, the 70s or 80s or something like that. Well, they figured if it worked for Captain Marvel, it can work for the Joker. Yeah, right. If it worked for Captain Marvel. (laughs) Well, let's talk a little bit about another big topic from the past week. Tickets went on sale for Avengers Endgame, the three hour gut buster. Bring yourself a bottle to the movie so that you don't have to get up and go to the bathroom film event that's going to be happening this year. Well, (laughs) there was (laughs) there were a whole lot of graphics on that, like where people (laughs) have Avengers scrawled on hospital urinal bottles and stuff. It was terrible because it's coming in at over three hours. It's going to be crazy. But the ticket sales on this thing broke the world. I mean, yeah, everybody wants to see this movie. I mean, people went online thinking they could get their tickets and automatically they got put in line (laughs) online, which is that's the reason you go online is to not be in line. Right. right? You don't have to see it the very first time it comes out. It's you know, it's or do you? Is that the thing? If you're a comic book nerd, you have to see it the night. Well, I mean, if you're it's kind of like if you were a Star Wars guy in the first night that Star Wars comes out. Right. I mean, for comic book guys and especially this film, especially mm-hmm. because of the way the last Avengers film ended. Mm-hmm. This is kind of like we will be talking in a future episode of Gen X Grown Up all about mm-hmm. cliffhangers, especially like who shot Jr. This is the cliffhanger of the comic oh, sure. book movie world right now. Everybody's on pins and needles who 
really love these characters and people are just going crazy trying to get, I didn't try though. I didn't even try and go online because I was seeing on Twitter that like within the first 30 minutes, how uh, AMC's website and app were crashing left and right Mm -hmm. and Fandango and everything. It's just crazy. I was really impressed by the fact that after the, what the the previous Avengers or the infinity gauntlet war thing after that one, that people didn't, Spoil it for me. You know, but I saw it probably the you know, third or fourth night it was out. But even for several weeks, I did not see spoilers. And so I'm kind of like trusting mm-hmm. the goodwill of humanity that if I don't see it on the first night, I'll survive. But I, I've heard the stories of like people poaching them for like 15 <laughs> grand or something stupid on eBay. And like, no, I can wait and see it a few nights later. I, I can't believe people would do that. Yeah. Well, I went on eBay to see what what they were doing, and they are selling those tickets for stupid prices on eBay. <laughs> oh, really? Like Super Bowl type tickets or some kind of craziness yeah, a like few, that? A few are, you know, you know, in the hundred dollar <laughs> range, which is high. But then there's some that they're selling for like a thousand dollars. It's like, what the what? heck? Yes, a thousand dollars to go see Avengers Endgame. I'm, I love comic books. I love the Marvel Cinematic Universe. A thousand dollars not going to happen. No. Again, you could watch it the next night or the next night or the next <laughs> right, night. Right. Exactly. <laughs> well, there's something else that you can watch that's just got renewed. Netflix actually renewed a comic book series. Believe it or not, they didn't cancel one. They actually <laughs> renewed the Umbrella Academy for a 10 episode season two. I didn't watch season one, but I'm happy to see that Netflix is still in the comic book game. Uh, yes. And hopefully Hope, right. yeah. <laughs> Hope, I'm excited to, to season two. Yeah, <laughs> it was a good series. I enjoyed season one. Um, I'm glad there's season two, and it was really a weird show. And even people that aren't into comic books, because they kind of like comic book movies, they watched the show. They admitted it was weird, but they seemed to enjoy it. So I guess that popularity paid off. Yeah. Was that I mean, the one that was kind of about like, like freaks who were adopted by this older guy and he passes away. Is was that the one I'm thinking yes. of? Or is that a different one? Yeah. That's okay. That's the Yay, one you're thinking of. I know of. the yeah. synopsis. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> John learned something about comic books. Yay. We've accomplished our job on the drawn and panel podcast. Right, there we'll, we go. We'll see you next week. Oh, wait. No. <laughs> Wait, when I learn something, I have to leave. That's how it works. We just cut the show off. We can't. We know we can't do any better, so the show's over as soon as John learns something. That's it. We have a convert. Thank you, commercial. <laughs> so, Jason, you've got one last little thing that you've started doing. I know you do a ton of work for us here on Drawn and Paneled, but you've actually started doing something else for Gen X Grown Up. That's right. I've started writing weekly comic book reviews for the Gen X Grown Up site. So every week, uh, typically on Friday, there will be an article with three to five reviews of comics that were released that week uh, with the ratings. So you know what to pick up if you missed it or something. Maybe you should just pass it. But you can look for that on the Gen X Grown Up site. Uh, And I'm glad to have the opportunity to do a little bit extra and kind of expand some of our comic book love to the fans. Now, Jason, where do you get all these books that you're reviewing? Do you buy? 
buy all of these or do you have advanced copies or how do you get to see all this stuff to have it ready just a couple days after they come out? Uh, well, we get advanced copies and then a few of them I may have to pick up, but there's stuff I'm already going to pick up anyway. Uh, it just gives me incentive yep. to read it and not sit it on the table for, you know, five months. So uh, so, <laughs> so not just because you're a big deal. Sometimes you got skin in the game. You're actually plunked down your hard earned money. Uh, yes, I do. But it's because I like okay. to share my love of comics and uh, write about it. Yeah. I mean, it's it's. Aww. It's interesting how you talk about plunking down your hard-earned money, John. I started getting back into comic books about three years ago. And at the time, I think my collection probably had maybe 600 books, 700 books in my collection. I'm over 1,500 at this point. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's just silly how quickly it can grow. Where do you keep those? No. (laughs) (laughs) So fortunately, I've got a nice little cheap cardboard shelving system that I found from BCW. So I can take short boxes and these little shells that you can put them in, turn them into almost like file cabinet drawers. And I can put those in my office and stack them on top of each other so it doesn't take up a ton of room. But yeah, it is it is getting silly at this point. It does get silly, but it's hard. It's a hard habit to quit. <laughs> I remember myself long ago when I used to regularly go to comic book shops. That's back when uh, they were publishing new editions of The Shadow. But after I would go <laughs> to those, you, you would come home with like an, at least like a three quarters of an inch stack of comic books, right? Because there's a few you'd pick up. And Mm -hmm. if you do that every single week, I mean, that has got to add up fast. It does. And not just in the amount of space that you need to store the comic books, but in the wallet as well, because now the comic books are $2.99 to $3.99 or sometimes more if it's a special edition kind of book, you know, 10 bucks. I can easily, in a month, when I was younger, a whole month might cost me 15 bucks. And my parents were kind of upset about that. Now, a whole month is $100 easy. And And I try not to get stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) If you can make it to the tunnel, it's a clean getaway. Yeah, but I can hardly see. Can I do your windshield? The wall crawler. The webhead. Just your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Today on the Drawn In Paneled Hot Seat Interview, we have Patrick Thomas Parnell, the CEO of Riot Press Productions. Patrick, how are you doing today, buddy? Pretty good, sir. How are you doing? I am doing awesome because I get to talk to a cool another indie creator, which is one of my favorite things to do here at Drawn In Paneled. Oh, good. <laughs> so we've got a few questions that we always like to ask you guys as part of our interview. So I'm going to run through them real quick. You answer them however you feel, and we will move on. So here we go first. Where was your hometown? Where were you? born? Um, I, I was actually born in uh, Elizabeth, New Jersey. Oh, okay. Northern. All right. Northern, that's right. Um, lived up there for a little while. Um, moved to South Florida when I was very young. Went okay. To sc- went to school down here. Um, got into lots of trouble as, as a kid, as, <laughs> a, as a young skateboarder and as a punk rocker playing in bands and stuff like that. When I got a little older, I actually moved back to New Jersey where uh, I went to the Joe Kubert School of Cartoon and Graphic design. Well, that leads me to my next question then. Tell us a little bit about the achievements and awards that you've had in the comic industry and where you've worked, because obviously you have your own production studio, which is really cool, but you've been around for a little while. You went to that school and mm-hmm. I'm sure you've done some other things. Tell us all about it. Well, uh, after the Joe Kubert school, um, I started doing uh, work for the New York Times, like in like news 
newspaper uh, publications oh. and so forth. So, you know, when you think of cartoon school, you think immediately like you're going to be jumping into doing like working on X-Men or something like that. But that's not always the case. You kind of right. go out there and just see what you can get. So I was doing like brochure covers for like air shows that the New York Times were putting on. And uh, huh. I was doing like their covers and stuff like that. And for various um newspapers in florida i was getting checks from the new york times but it was all like papers down here in florida oh okay um, so they were like the parent company yeah 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 but it was actually for uh, a lot of the work i did was for the sarasota herald tribune which i is where i live i live in sarasota florida right now um so sh- shortly after that uh i i started teaching at the ringling college of art and design um, oh top school nice yeah it, it, yeah, and for those of you that aren't familiar with it, it's like a um, a computer animation school primarily. There's also a really uh, awesome and large uh, illustration department over there. Um, but I, I taught illustration over there, and I also taught drawing uh, to computer animators for like eight years. Wow. Um, and, and that really absorbed a lot of my time. Now, during this time, uh, I was doing a lot of work for... Dungeons and Dragon, Wizards of the Coast. Really? Um, oh yeah, still still doing stuff for the New York Times here and there as well. But I I, I wasn't really doing comic book. Um, I I I did a, a like a short graphic novel, you know, uh, back in my youth to kind of get me out to conventions. Um, I started doing right. conventions like super. Um, early on in my career, like even before I was done going to school to a Hubert school, I just wanted to get out there and just start doing conventions. So, um, you know, like I, I've been doing cons for like 13 or 14 years um, just just to get the experience, you know, so like that's I, an I, achievement I, of itself right there going to the cons for that long. <laughs> well, I, I think I think this Megacon coming up will be uh, my 14th Megacon. Ooh, wow. So you even with the group who used to run it before the company that has it now. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So I, I was teaching at this school, uh, uh, the Ringling College, um, again, teaching animators and, st- and stuff like that. And, and I was working so hard, I, I wasn't really getting enough time to do comic. Um, so I, I started to kind of switch gears of what I wanted to do career-wise. Um, a- around that time, I, I bumped into some folks at Archie Comic, and okay. I-, I started doing uh, some covers for Mega Man and also uh, Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> nice. I started to dabble in getting, you know, into comics more. And then I, I decided to, to start teaching less and which gave me more time to do comics. And then that's where that's kind of a, a good segue to the next part of where Evan and I, uh, th- like this is about the time that he and I came up with the idea for Johnny Phantasm. Well, let's talk a little bit about Johnny Phantasm because we're going to review it here today on Drawn and Paneled. So give us the little elevator pitch, just a quick brief synopsis of what Johnny Phantasm is all about. Sure. So Johnny Phantasm is the story of a 1970s hitman living in a fictional city called New Detroit. Um, He gets sent on a hit to kill a priest. The hit goes wrong and the priest ends up cursing Johnny with this voodoo hex on him. And as the priest is dying, Johnny gets possessed by uh, this, like, uh, it's basically like a group of demons from another dimension. Right, yeah, and he turns into like almost a, a Spanish or Mexican skeleton looking kind of character at the same time which was really a unique cool way to take it I thought yeah yeah he he, he kind of gets like the sugar skull type of voodoo mask going on right 
Um, and the story is basically, it's, you know, everyone in the stories are villains. It's all gangsters against gangsters. There, there, there are no heroes in the story. <laughs> well, it was certainly very effective. We've read three issues that you guys provided to us and they were really fun and a lot of cool stuff. And we're definitely going to be talking about them here in Drawn and Panel today. But mm-hmm. before we get out of here, you, my friend, are in the Drawn and Paneled hot seat, which means you get the four rapid fire questions of death. Are you ready, sir? No. <laughs> okay. How about the four rapid questions of happiness? Does that make you more ready? That I feel a little bit more open to doing that. Okay. Let's go with that one then. <laughs> yeah, go All for right. it. Question number one. Mm-hmm. Favorite Muppet. Favorite Muppet. Oh, man. See, this is interesting because I love the Muppet. Now, I mean, are you talking like Muppet Babies? Are you talking the Muppet Show? Are we talking it's Dark, the whole are, gambit. Are we talking Dark Crystal? No, it's the whole gambit. Anything that's in the Jim Henson universe. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I would have to go with, uh, I, I, I forget the specific Sketsky, but one of the Sketskys from Dark Crystal. Okay. Very nice. All right. Question number two. A guilt. Guilty pleasure you're ashamed to admit. A guilty... Well, I mean, this is topical, but and, and I see kids doing this all the time, you know, like at, at, at the mall or restaurant. But I, I check my phone like way too much. It's like I'm constantly like like when I'm driving, sometimes I'll just pick the phone up and just look at it for some reason. And it's like, I, I don't even know what I'm looking for. Fair enough. <laughs> all right. Here you go. Question number three. Your favorite 80s film or TV show? Uh, I would have to say Back to the Future. Oh, nice choice. Classic. And final question. Favorite comic or character that you didn't create yourself favorite comic character okay let's see let's think about this here for a second it's like well i mean like right out the gate i i say shazam Captain marvel okay um and 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 for for one reason you know after i read kingdom come i I was just so excited to know that there was like someone that could actually beat superman's ass (laughs) well patrick it was a lot of fun talking with you today before we get out of here i want to give you a chance to tell everybody where they can find you online and social media, YouTube, all that cool stuff. Awesome. Well, uh, you can find me on Instagram at Patrick Thomas Purnell Art. Uh, on Twitter, you can find me at Riot Press Comic. Um, my website is patrickthomaspurnell.com. Um, my other website is uh, riotpressproductions.com. If people get a chance, um, it'd be awesome if they could run over to like indiegogo.com and check out Johnny Phantasm in the Tales of New Detroit. Everyone that buys a graphic novel um, gets the graphic novel. They get a sketch of Johnny Phantasm. They get a nice. sticker pack. Yeah, they get a sticker pack. And then they also get a limited postcard. Oh, very cool. Well, Drawn and Panel definitely recommends it. And Patrick, it was so much fun talking to you today. We appreciate you stopping by. No problem. Thank you, sir. And we will see you guys in the next segment. who stole them. You'll probably get a medal for this, and all I'll get is a cold shoulder. You ought to love that. (laughs) Funny webs, funny. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it's time for the Drawn and Panel <laughs> Roundtable segment. Oh, wait, that's the wrong podcast. John being on this thing is throwing me off. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I don't know what I'm doing. Oh, I <sighs> see you went and saw Dumbo. You're uh, I in, did. The center stage, <laughs> in the center ring. <laughs> and on the trapeze, All right, Jason. so before we get... <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Before I can't. we get into too many of these insults, 
let's talk about our first book. We just got finished listening to the wonderful interview that we had with Patrick Parnell, who was the artist on our first book, Johnny Phantasm. I'm going to give a brief synopsis of Johnny Phantasm so you guys can be brought up to date. I know you guys have read it, but here we go. Johnny Phantasm is an 80 page plus story of a 1970s new Detroit hitman who has lost all ability to care. He has pushed away his family, his love, and any feeling of empathy. When a hit on a corrupt priest goes sideways, Johnny is cursed with an immense otherworldly power at the price of what's left of his soul. A mix of underworld gangsters, disco balls, violence, and voodoo is Johnny Phantasm. <laughs> That's a hell of a sale. Yes. That was directly from Indiegogo. So you can see why it's already met its goal. Its original goal was 5,000. It's up over 6,000 oh, at this wow. point for backing. That's good. Yeah, that's a pretty big deal whenever you hit those kind of numbers. They have already reached two of their stretch goals. They're on their way to their third, although their third one might be a little tough. Their third stretch goal is $12,000. Mm, not yeah. saying they're not going to get there, but doubling where they're at now, that might be a little tough because there's a lot of competition out there for K Kickstarter, Indiegogo backed comic books. You almost need that stuff to go viral and uh, somebody, somebody who's very influential say, hey, I backed it. You got to check this out. Because at this point, if you're that deep in the uh, Kickstarter, Indiegogo, whatever, your crowdfund, you've probably hit the majority of people who you have access to read. Right. Yeah. Well, or you could have, you know, you could have your book reviewed on Drawn and Paneled. That's right. And Featured that would probably do it. <laughs> <laughs> I know I read it. I know I enjoyed a large part of this book. I'm just curious. What do you guys think about it? John? So do you want to hear from the comic book expert or the comic book neophyte? What's your more, what are you more interested in hearing? Let's go neophyte. <laughs> neophyte for 200, Alex. All right. Go, Jason. Go, neophyte. No, no, you wow. mean me. Wow. <laughs> you really don't want to and be on this. That's how we do yeah. things on the new so, drawn and paneled. So you had me read three different comic books for uh, this show, I right? did. Yes. You did. Yes. Uh, and that has um, septupled the number of comic books I have read in the last six months. <laughs> <laughs> So the, my, my point is, I'm not a huge comic book reader. I do casual. I'm like, I have a comicsology account and I read stuff. Mostly I reread old stuff that I'm in love with because, you know, I, I, I just don't get into newer stuff except for the stuff that you throw at me, Jason or George. So you should read this or cool stuff that you're showing me for this show. Of the three things right. you had me look at, this fell mm -hmm. squarely in the middle of the two um, okay. in okay. terms of, 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 of what I got out of it. What I did like about it was... Um, the art I could get behind and the entire, like the, the tone maybe of the story reminded me a lot of this point and click adventure from early two thousands called Grim Fandango. Oh, okay. good analogy. Yeah. I, you know, I didn't put that there, but you're exactly right. It was like a, this weird peek into the, the day of the dead and Grim Reaper kind of thing. And this is a, a similar kind of, it's like you're, this whole book is living on this layer between reality and supernatural and and this character transforms at the beginning of the story from being you know a regular hitman dude into some kind of weird I am the darkness. I live in the shadows. I missed kind of weird guy after right. this mm -hmm. hit gone wrong. Yeah, it was really interesting too. And in the interview, we talked a little bit with Patrick and he was saying how the the writer, Evan Posios, would give him just a sampling, like maybe a poem or one line, and then he would have to create a whole page from that. And what mm. he decided to do was a juxtaposition where what he drew 
was not anything to do with the writing. It was like a separate story. And then that way the two things together would create a third kind of story as you read it and blended it together for yourself. Oh, I found that pretty effective. Yes. There's a lot of imagery in here and I can kind of pick up now that you said that just looking at the book, I, I can kind of pick up that where that came into play. And there's just, yeah, there's just all kinds of crazy images and the way they do the panel layout. Uh, it's definitely a visually um, interesting, appealing story. And we've only read about a third of what they have planned to publish because they sent it to us in three short story segments, essentially, of like anywhere from right. seven to 12 pages a piece. And it's going to be an over 80 page, you know, tome, so to speak, or a trade paperback as we normally see a trade paperback. It's like five to six issues all combined together. This is one contiguous story that is not ever planned to be separated out into individual issues. So that, we I was just about to ask that as a, as a follow-up question. So I, I, I thought like trade paperbacks are usually, it's already come out before as individual issues and they bundle mm-hmm. them. And this is meant to just be a, a book that comes out, right? Yeah, exactly. That's right. And I, now I'm glad you said that, that we just got kind of a snippet and that it's all going to be one big story because I feel like maybe we'll have some more gaps filled in because one of the things I had, uh, issues I had with the book reading it is the way it jumped between the, the three little sections we had, it felt like I was mm-hmm. missing something a little bit or like it just kind of picked yeah. up in the middle. Uh, and so it was a little jarring. I still enjoyed it, but I, I felt like I was missing something. But now that I know that we're going to get a whole story all together, I, I feel better about it that we may get the, you know, get some of that stuff filled in for us. I want to talk a little bit about the book that you brought to us, Jason, <laughs> Little Bird. And I'm going to, I'm going to again, give a little brief description of it. Director, screenwriter, Darcy Van Polgeist boasts a long list of awards and accolades for his storytelling prowess and brings the same writing finesse to Ian Bertram's breathtakingly detailed artwork in the gorgeous hyper-detailed miniseries Little Bird. With the same limitless scope as a new East of West or saga and the drama and surrealism of Akira, Little Bird follows a young resistance fighter who battles against an oppressive American empire and searches for her own identity in a world on fire. (sighs) Yeah. I need some oxygen. Yeah. Wow. That was, <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, they give you like Clear. two lines worth of synopsis, but it's <laughs> it's like the whole prep before that of who the people were that created and everything. But I felt that was important to talk about that. So, I, Jason, why did so you this pick one is, Little Bird? Th- this is Jason's fault? Is that what you're telling me? This is Jason's fault. Be- yeah, Jason picked okay. this Because one. it was... Lay it on us, Jason. Well, for two reasons. One, I believe it was one of George's picks on the poll list a, a, a couple episodes ago and I was interested mm-hmm. in well, it. So now it's George's fault. And okay. I, he's, he's passing the buck. No, Jason no, does that I, well. I, I read it and it's just one issue and I thought, let's throw it up there. Uh, I picked it because it's just a weird book and I wanted to talk about it and see <laughs> see what we can make, make of this thing. It is definitely a weird book. I had a hard time slogging through issue number one, I'll admit it. I'm not saying that I don't like it, but I'm not saying that I do. It's it's mm-hmm. it's kind of hard to quantify. It it felt like somebody took Aeon Flux from back in the old MTV days yes. and fed it acid. Uh, wow. Which if you've ever seen that show, you'll understand how strong of a statement that is. <laughs> That's a good deal. So if you've ever done acid, you'll know how strong of a statement that is. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know where you were going with that. <laughs> I 
I, so keep in mind, I don't know what I'm talking about, right? So <laughs> when, when I was when I was in band, you know, my band director in school always said, this you one know, time when, in band camp. No, no, it's not that. <laughs> <laughs> my, my band director would always say, you know, when somebody's grandmother comes to see us play, they don't know that you hit a D flat instead of a D sharp. They just know it doesn't sound right. And right. so I don't know if I can tell you why I found this difficult to stomach. Um, there's too much unexplained mystical things going on. There's tendrils. There's people soaking in tubs. There's floating popes. There's guys wielding axes and, uh, right. and Canadian nationalism. And I, <laughs> I, I didn't get it. I tried. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I went through it and I'm, I, it's just for me, like if you're going to, if you're going to give me a book, remember, I don't read comic books on a regular basis, not because mm-hmm. I don't like them or anything. It's just, I, I look, I look for stories anywhere. I could find a story and I couldn't tell what the story was in this. They kept introducing new things and laying out more mysteries. And maybe it's the kind of thing where if you read it for a year and came back and and look at all the stuff they laid the groundwork in this first issue. But based on this first issue, I, I'm not, I don't know who these characters are. You know, they had a lot of drama and there was a lot of bloodshed. Mm-hmm. Right. But I don't yep. know what's going on other than the Canadian guy had an axe. I and mean, that's really all I know for sure. And, you know, honestly, I don't know that I would give Canadian Paul Bunyan a second chance. Honestly, <laughs> I don't think I will go back to this book. I know I had it on my pull list because the synopsis looked intriguing Mm -hmm. when I first read it. That's why I put it on the pull list. And then after reading it, I'm like, you know, I've got a lot of other comic books I can read. I don't know if I want to devote time to struggling to like a story. I kind of liked the art in it. Um, I thought that it added to the quirkiness and just weirdness of the story. Um, I don't know if I would personally, I, I enjoyed the book and I don't know if I would want more polished art to the story because hmm. it just I just think it sort of worked as a So you good felt package. that was necessary for the story for it to be that way then. For me it was and like I liked some of the art. I like the way that he draws the eyes. The eyes are just so creepy and um just they were they creepy. And, I'll give you yeah. that. Yes, creepy. Yeah. And yeah. I liked the design of Little Bird, you know, especially on the cover, her coat and and mask and her knives. I thought that was really cool. Well, let's talk a little bit about the third book then. I I hope that we can all agree that this was a good book because it's the one that I picked. So there we go. And you guys know who runs the show. So if you want to keep your seat as a co-host, here we go. What a good book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Low Road West is from Eisner Award nominated writer Philip Kennedy Johnson and artist Flaviano. They present a new five-issue limited series. In the aftermath of a nuclear first strike that has left the East Coast uninhabitable, five teenagers are being sent west away from the wreckage that was once their home. Halfway through the Oklahoma Dust Bowl, the shuttle that promised safety is broken down, stranding them in the middle of nowhere with only one another to count on. Their only hope seems to be a town just on the edge of the horizon, but the closer they get, the stranger things become. If they want to survive... They'll have to learn to trust one another, and with society crumbling around them, trust doesn't come easily. Mm. That's a synopsis. Yeah, that's like the whole book, really. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it was a five-issue limited series. I've read all five issues. I really enjoyed it. I know that it's a five-issue limited series, but I felt the last few panels left it open for another five-issue series if they decide to move forward with it. What did you guys think? 
I hope they do some more issues because I really liked it, but I felt like this could be an ongoing series. So Okay, so Jason's contract is renewed. There we go. Yes. John, what about you? <laughs> well, let me put it like this. <laughs> it was I said I read three books and so so first we had The Little Bird, which mm-hmm. I read and it, it, it wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. And then there was the Johnny Phantasm, which wasn't quite for me. And I'm like, well, you know, and, but there's like three different issues to read. I'm like, OK, I'll read the first issue of this third one. So I'll be able to talk intelligently on the show. And I was not able to stop after reading the first one. Yeah, everything, yeah. everything that, that John the, liked. <laughs> everything that the previous one we talked about, uh, Canadian Hatchet Man, everything about that that it did wrong this book did right for me it introduced characters and showed me just enough about them so i could start to care they didn't i mean who hasn't done post-apocalyptic but they did post-apocalyptic with this interesting like what's going on i'm on i'm on a bus and i'm headed somewhere and something happened to our parents and somehow it put me into a personal level with these people in a post-apocalyptic kind of scenario so i can actually care about just these three or four people and i was Everything the previous one did wrong, this one seemed to do right for me. Yeah, I really liked the well whole way that the story flowed. I enjoyed, you know, discovering new things about the characters that were even introduced in page one. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really smart the way that they played out, you know, the different character arcs as they went along. You know, one guy, you can tell he's braggadocious talking about, well, my father's the best guy ever. Mm-hmm. You know, we all grew yeah. up with one of those kind of kids, right? But then there's a reason why he's doing that because he's all deflecting what he really is. And then, you know, there's the other people who, Oh, well this guy, you know, he looks intelligent and everything, but Holy crap. He's got this horrible secret that nobody knows about until <laughs> mm-hmm. the middle of issue number three. And they're like, Oh crap, this guy's awful. And there's some and can really I tell you good one stuff. Of the coolest book. things that I saw in this book that I'd never sure. seen anywhere before. And maybe it's just because I don't read enough comic books, but when I first saw them represent how there was a character doing sign language, I was blown mm-hmm. away by how they oh, communicated yes. that. Yeah. That was awesome. And I don't know if that's a regular thing or if that's what everybody does because I comic books seen it are before speech either. bubbles. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. how do you communicate sign language in a comic book? It was like, I'm not going to try to explain it. Like you should see it. If if nothing about this book is interesting to you, seeing how the artist and the inker and letterer and whoever the hell did this figured out how to translate sign language into a comic panel, I was like, I went back and read like three or four times like that is genius I thought that was really cool that was very clever I loved how they made me care about these characters Mm -hmm. and I liked the artwork it was very bright and colorful but the the piece of art that I liked the best was with the character that doesn't speak he discovers something and he does the sign language to get his sister to follow him and she says oh he's he's not saying anything or no we're not going to go do that and I don't know how old the kid is, but he gives this just disappointed, upset look at his sister and the way the artist drew it. uh, That looks just like the looks my niece and nephew give me when I tell them no. (laughs) I mean, it was scrunched up and just anger, resentment. Uh, I thought that was uh, that really it kind of endeared me to the character even more. So Jason has a lot of examples of disappointing his nieces and nephews. So he has a real good baseline. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I'm the disappointing uncle. memory because he's always disappointing them. And now John's contract is renewed for the next episode. So there we go. (laughs) It's just... (laughs) 
there's no doubt that these are three books that are all steeped in mysticism of one kind or another, because each one of these has some fantastic elements, which is not your typical superhero in spandex kind of comic books. But I think that it's really important to note that even though they all have this, they take them in completely different directions. Some we like, some we didn't like, mm-hmm. but yep. it's still mm-hmm. a lot of fun to go out there and try new stories and new books because we don't really get a lot of that from Hollywood uh, TV. I will say that. Uh, Little Bird is not a reboot. I'll give it that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry I made you fly in this weather, but I had to leave the sanitarium immediately. We'll make it, Mr. Osborne. They let me out. I'm cured. I can be Norman Osborne again. Not, Not that other creature. If anything in this episode has piqued your interest, we put links in the show notes you can click on to find out more. Catch up on past shows and be alerted every week when a new one drops by subscribing to us wherever you get your podcast. Also, if you're enjoying what we do, help us keep the lights on by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash genxgrownup. And we love to hear from our podcast listeners, so please write to us at podcast at drawnandpaneled.com. And that will wrap it up for this edition of the Drawn and Paneled Podcast. Before we get out of here, in two weeks, we'll come back with one of our regular episodes. But next week, we come back with one of our back issue editions. John, I know you're itching to tell everybody what we're going to cover. In a dramatic act of pandering to a newly added co-host, we have selected (laughs) the 1973 incarnation of the best superhero ever to exist on the planet. And he's not even a superhero. He's the motherfucking shadow. (laughs) (laughs) Kent Allard, Lamont Cranston, all of his, all of his minions, his Gearsaw ring, his twin Colt 45s living in the mist, the shadow. And we're going to talk about it. Are you doing the episode now? And I'm, I, I'm, let's keep going. Keep recording. Keep going. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to talk about the shadow in the next back issue. Back to you, George. (laughs) Well, I don't know how to follow that. So with that, I'm just going to say goodbye. (laughs) Jason, thank you so much for joining me on this wild and bumpy ride. Uh, It was my pleasure. And I I think John can come back for the next one. I hope so, because if we cut him from the next episode, he might shoot me. Oh, gosh. John, thank you for joining us and being our new co-host. Yeah, thanks for having me. And we will see you guys next time. See everybody later. Bye-bye. Gen X Grown Up is a member of the Evergreen Podcast family. Learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com. We're also an affiliate of the Geeks Worldwide Radio Network. You can check them out at the GWW.com. Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo. And for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book. And together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.